Hello and welcome to the See-Through Panel Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about graphic novel Titan and the short arc of the comic book Criminal. First arc is called Coward. My name is Cole Harvey. And I'm Fahed Rahman. Alright, if we just want to start with Titan, I guess. Oh, by the way, before we start, we're probably going to spoil the story for both of these. If you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen, all that type of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. If you you're listening, yeah. If you're listening to a comic book review podcast and not expecting spoilers, I don't know what to tell you guys. So, um, we'll start off with uh, Titan. Titan is written by Francois Villeneuve. Um, it's published, going to be published by um, Oni Press in September 2020. And I'll just read out the blurb. Um, when manager first class Yael de Silva arrives on the moon of Titan to take charge of Homestead Station, he finds a massive mining colony plagued by tensions between the giant genetically engineered titan workers and the terran management as anger mounts or begins as a routine posting quickly turns into something far more danger- dangerous phoebe mcintosh though, uh, fought her she left her fighting days behind her when she turned her back on the mixing circuit now she finds herself caught between a past you'd rather forget and a future she can't predict together they must find a way to pull homestead back from the brink of disaster or titan might be the spark that sets the entire solar system ablaze. I really enjoyed this book. It's got quite a distinctive art style. So it's um, the colour palette is pinks and reds and blacks. It's it's not. It doesn't look like uh, any other comic books that I think I've, I've read before. And it's got um, a cartoony style. And I just I enjoyed the the themes um, and the the character and the dialogue. What do what what are your um initial thoughts on it, Cole? Um, so I read it all in one sitting, and uh, I honestly was not drawn to the art style immediately. Yeah. But by the ending, I thought it was amazing. Like it completely changed my view on the art style. I thought it was a little overly cartoony, and the color palette wasn't doing it for me. But by the end, I. I assume just part of how the story got to me. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, so the it's kind of a weird art style in a lot of ways because the the humanoid character, well, the characters are kind of cartoony, but a lot of the world building is quite realistic in terms of the uh, spaceships and the the kind of like layout of the space base and kind of the equipment that they're using. It's not kind of they look like when they're out and about on kind of their space work walks, it looks like a real spacesuits that they're wearing. Mm. And um, so I, I kind of enjoyed that kind of mix between kind of the cartoony um, facial representations and kind of the more realistic um, world build, world building aspects of the story. I thought it was really realistic, uh, not just because of the themes, obviously those are pretty realistic and present, but uh, the world building was like all po- not possible stuff. I mean, it is sci-fi, but it's all not that far off. Like, there's nothing crazy sci-fi about it. It makes it seem just pretty grounded and um, real world. And then all the problems in here are problems that are real world problems. So we're not dealing with like sci-fi monsters or anything like that. Well, and... we kind of are dealing with sci-fi monsters because, like, the only really truly outlandish sci-fi element in this are the the monstrous um, the titans. titans. Who basically in the book, the titans are oversized human beings that um, have been kind of genetically uh, modified or genetic. I'm not I'm not too sure if they explained how the titans came to be, but I think they're genetically modified human beings that. Um, are bred to kind of operate in a lower gravity position. So one of the mm-hmm. things they mention in the the book is that you know Titans can't exist on Earth because the the gravity would basically crush their bones and you know they wouldn't be able to survive there. So they they can exist out in space and kind of lift all this heavy machinery up, but they're um you know they wouldn't be able to exist on um Terra as they as they refer to Earth. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I did it honestly. I honestly stopped looking at them as like not people. I just like looked at them halfway through. I was like, all right, these are just big humans. Because I mean, they do have, they have cultural differences, obviously, and maybe a lot of them aren't like as high 
functioning as some of the like humans, but yes. they're pretty similar. They're basically just bigger humans. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. That they that is a, definitely a sci-fi element. They were basically that that large and built that way so that they could be workers on a low gravity yeah location. So there are so um one of the books that this reminded me of well one of the stories this really reminded me of was Isaac Asimov's Strikebreaker which is about um this person who I think he's like a cultural anthropologist he he visits this um uh, planet where there's a strike going on and he kind of it's 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 a, it's a story about kind of um uh, industrial relations and uh cultural differences and you know kind of the the danger of an outside interloper kind of being you know interfering in that uh situation without understanding all the the nuances of uh what what the two conflicting parties are fighting about so that's you know that's a, a story that this this book um really reminded me of and essentially the story is about a failing mining station and you know this uh you know this manager who's that's another kind of sci-fi element the guy's got this uh eye yeah. implant that allows him to control the entire um the entire station but again that's not it's a it's, it's a strange thing that we both kind of think it, there was nothing too um, outlandishly sci-fi in in this book, but they've got genetically modified giant human beings and kind of essentially a cyborg in there. Where we just you know, it was still kind of very realistic. So it's played so straight. They yeah. they explain it and you're like, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's um the the, the book is about um kind of the you know this failing station and you know this guy uh, Yaldisa was being parachuted in to kind of fix what the uh, you know try and get this station uh, back up performing to profitability and kind of trying to manage the relationship between the human staff and the um and the the giant titans and I found I found it really engaging um yeah I I got pulled in I was I kind of was just reading normally until about maybe a quarter quarter halfway and then it really pulled me in and i just like my the pace of it picked up to like twice as fast for me so i finished it re- the second half really fast yes and, the, um, the second half of the book is i think especially strong yes. especially because it takes you in directions that you're not expecting the story to go because i expected the story to kind of how to say it, a lot a lot more small scale than it actually uh, eventually ended up being oh yeah yeah it goes from like two one titan one human to just the entire place every character in there is involved and i i think the pacing when i i feel like when i say that i read the second half way faster than the first half it feels like the pacing's bad but the pacing was actually really fine it's just that the first half sets up the groundwork and gives you some character moments, and that tends to not, you know, read as quickly. But it was still really interesting. And looking back on it, I liked it a lot, just that first half still. Because you kind of settle into the art, too, at the same time you're settling into the characters. Yeah, the art, when you... If, the art can be... It does take a little while to get used to, because when I opened it up, I was just like, wow, this is a really strange color palette. Um, this guy has gone for and up. It'd be interesting to. I've not found any interviews with um, Francois. It'd be kind of interesting to find out why he specifically chose the book to look to look the way that it does. Um, because I, I don't know about you. Have you come across any uh, graphic novels that have got a similar color palette or a similar style? Not like this. No. I, I mean, I I think. Maybe I've seen some stuff that has the line like this, maybe, but not really. If I wanted to yes. really find it, I don't think. But then the color really puts it over the top because no other book has this kind of color palette. It's just the three, the three colors, very flat, and but they're so. The pink is so garish. The pink is always so bright. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of it. And he also does a, a weird thing with the uh, lettering as well. So some of the and I found that a bit confusing at times with the with the lettering. So sometimes he'll um, 
he'll color a speech bubble and then well in my head if a speech bubble's colored then i'm associating that color with a specific character but he'll yes. swap that over a bit and sometimes i i i found it a little bit difficult to follow which character was speaking thank you for saying that that is exactly how i felt but if you could put aside that uh which it took me like halfway or three quarters of the books to finally stop doing that to myself and you just like a speech bubble is a speech bubble it gets pretty easy but that's definitely something that's been like we've been trained to do as graphic novel people yeah it was um it was a very strange choice it was a very you know i don't know why maybe it was something to do with making certain certain dialogue kind of like pop out but i don't know if it was especially necessary I don't know why he he chose to do that, but it was a strange choice. It was. I think it might just be just so it could stand out against whatever background he has drawn, and mm -hmm. but the backgrounds are constantly shifting. So, but I'll, no, maybe not because I'm looking at it here and it's it's white text on a black background, but then he'll use white text over a pink background too. So I don't really know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So th th I think uh, Francois Vigneault is obviously. I think that's a french name so maybe yeah this is a, this is a, a translation so maybe in the french text um there might be some significant some significance that we're we're not seeing um in terms of why he he chose um chose that story so the store so i've i've written a blog post about this i'm trying to blog about uh comic books a little bit more and um I'll, I'll just read um, a, a little bit from from my kind of a written review. So I think the world building in science fiction is really important. And I think Villeneuve's world building is as impressive as um, anything, you know, kind of... I, I, I honestly, I'd put it up there with kind of um, Blade Runner, really, in terms of the... Oh, yeah the the believability the stylistic choices and the art is impressive and the character designs are believable you kind of there's a really the the titans are kind of grubby and they're kind of industrial blue collar um mining types and then the, the terrans are kind of these oh, you know stuff shirt white collar guys that don't really um don't really understand the you know the blue, yeah. blue collar world of, of the time so i i've really um that really drew me drew me in to 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 the um story as well there's like conflicts going on everywhere so you know yao's got a conflict with the the other the other managers because i think he thinks they're a little bit too hardcore and then the other managers think you know yeah doesn't really understand the the the, the situation and then you know all the titans with the exception of um Phoebe, dis, dis, you know, distrust Yao because they think he's probably going to be coming in to shut down the the station as well. So it's just the way that's all kind of set up through the language of the art. I found really impressive. I would definitely agree that that they really make it clear. That's why the lettering thing was so big for me is because the story is so clear storytelling wise. You can tell everything that he's trying to do, and it and it makes you piece it together along with the words. So that's why that lettering thing was like, normally I wouldn't care about something like that, but when it's like only the one, only the one issue you have with storytelling, it, it's, it's noticeable. But um, yeah, the story was, was, as I said before, it was very, very good. It, it picks up about halfway through and just carries all the way to the end. I thought the f ending was fantastic too. Yes. The ending said, you know, um, the people that wrote, um, the, the Game of Thrones TV show could learn something or two about how oh to God, end yes. an empire, <laughs> how to end an epic story from this um, comic book because every you know every conflict's kind of resolved. The story goes in slightly unexpected directions, and you know where the characters end up you know, is you know it's not something that has been it's not plot driven if that makes sense it's kind of like oh, well you know given what the circumstances those characters are going to that's of course that's where they would end up 
you know? Yeah, exactly. I really, I thought, without getting too into it, I thought the ending was uh, a perfect wrapping up point with the characters, which I kind of am sad that this is a standalone graphic novel because I really like both these characters and I want to see more of them, but that ending was, it, it leaves them on a good note. So I thought that was very nice. Plus, I think he was honestly getting better with the art as it goes through. Now that I'm flipping through it, it makes more and more sense to me as I go towards the, the second half. All the art just kind of flows naturally. Yes, it's there's such large themes in this um, in the book. It, it covers big things like the nature of capitalism, the, um, the tyrannical power that uh, unions can have over their over their uh, work, work, workforce and members talks about and there's a really sweet love story in here as well between um phoebe and yao and you just kind of kind of and it's 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 kind of believably um believably done as well the one thing that i did i have to say that i did find just for me personally if i'm reading a a comic book with nudity on it i'd I'd like to be warned beforehand because if you if you're reading if i was reading this on like um public transport and like the one of the sex scenes just turned over the page and someone's looking over my p- shoulder i'm just you know they're gonna become some sort of like oh, pervert yeah, anime otaku guy so yeah so there you know just a fair warning guys there is um kind of full frontal male and female uh nudity in this yeah. and male nudity is always a bit of a shock to see <laughs> yeah it's not often done that's yeah exactly yeah honestly yeah. i wasn't expecting either of anyone to get naked in the first half of this i thought it, i was i jumped at that and i was like well it makes sense where this is going but i just didn't think you'd be so upfront about it but it was yeah. very good though. It is yeah it is um very well done any kind of it's such a different difficult thing to do kind of when you've got two characters that are such different sizes to have them interacting in a realistic believable way and you just you know from the scenes where they're just walking alongside each other in in yeah, through the corridors of the mining station to the you know the to the to the sex scene it's all ve- it's a very tricky thing to do it's a very 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 tricky thing to do and he's he's um um he accomplished that very very well he plays the perspective really well yeah when they're together and they're on a lot of pages together same for the um i can't remember cyrus the leader of the union i believe uh, yes whenever he and Zhao are on the same page they he looks like he could just kill him in like one punch. Yeah. It's very, very menacing, which makes it way more menacing because you know that all these Titans are pissed off essentially at him. So there's a lot of tension in the scenes when they're together. Yeah. That, that was kind of the, there was one element of the story that I found slightly kind of unbelievable in terms of, relationship between um cyrus and i can't remember the name of the other manager that he's working alongside the um, human manager yeah i can't remember his name oh that guy was a dick i don't even yeah, remember yeah but you know you know yeah i was bought on board because the previous manager has had kind of this accident and um yeah it's i i just I don't know, maybe if I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do a little bit more investigation as to why the accident happened, but he kind of, he doesn't, yeah. and that kind of ends up in a very bad situation for him at the end. I did notice that, because you know that on the first maybe five pages, they tell you that's why he's there, and we don't see her for a while, and then we talk about it finally, and then I was like, so we're done? And then it kind of comes back towards the end. But that wasn't, also that gets really overshadowed just by a personal conflict. So maybe that's how they explain that. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was a missing component or, or anything to the story. Yeah. So um, in terms of the the story itself, kind of, it rem- it, the reason why I enjoyed it so much is it reminded me of a lot of other things that I I really enjoyed. So it kind of reminded me of um, the George Clooney movie Up in the Air, where you know this this guy has been brought into fire people and you know that's kind of what Yao's going through it kind of reminded me of really good Star Trek episodes where they're you know they're using science fiction to kind of explore you know how human beings um interact with each other mm-hmm. and kind of you know what the human condition is it, you know like I said uh like I mentioned before it reminded me of that um 
Isaac Asimov story, Strike Breaker. So yes, I just, I just, I really, I think for me, this is one of my, one of my books of the year. Man, that's awesome. I would have to say so far, it's definitely one of the most impressive books I've read all year, just because it's very adult in its themes while being, it's underselling you on that, on the art. And by the end, you're just kind of like aghast at how, how good this thing was. When on the surface, I really didn't know what to expect just by the cover, you know, and the, and the title. I had no idea. Yeah. So I didn't really know what to expect either. And I don't know if you, you're you up to date with um, a lot of the, the comic book websites, but I don't think this is on anyone's radar. It doesn't seem like it. I, I tried to look up and see what people thought of it before I even read it, and uh, I didn't see almost anything. I, I noticed it wasn't even printed yet. Yeah, I mean, I know. So we both um, uh, got this book off of NetGalley. It's due yes. to be published. Uh, when did I say it was going to be published? In September... 2020 so it's not that it's not that far away i mean we're in um where are we sort of late june at the moment so i would have expected um some hype to be building about this which i find surprising but it's it's yeah definitely a it's it's, it's a beautifully told story there's it's a, a book like this it's got you know it's got all the elements that you'd want from some of something it's got um great personal drama it's got a epic scope it deals with really heavy themes and it's got a stunning conclusion so um i can't bring out enough superlatives to, to think um to explain to describe how um how well i regard this book um what did you what did you make of the dialogue uh in terms of the way that the characters were speaking to each other um at first uh, i i mean you immediately notice the titan the way the titans speak and they have their own kind of slang um i thought it was a bit odd but as i was going through it i thought it was, it was pretty natural i mean i didn't see anything really bad the only time maybe i thought it was uh a little off was the human manager at times he spoke like typical bad guy sounding to me but maybe that was in my head and yes, then yeah I'd he agree would with that. fully review like come back and be like no i'm a three-dimensional character and i'm not that bad and i was like oh yeah he kind of he he does go from kind of like to and then he's like but of, i'm not that bad of a guy i'm not that bad of a guy but yeah yeah you know, yeah so I, I i enjoyed the the i especially appreciated kind of the the way phoebe and yao talk to each other there were kind of musical references to this that yeah. i don't think I, I i'm not too sure i really understood them i don't know what what you thought about kind of... i didn't understand them i'm not gonna yeah. i'm not gonna sugarcoat yeah. it i didn't know them. yeah yeah so but that's of, all right someone will what, yeah someone will someone will um appreciate it um it didn't take anything away from it so yeah i think part of the other reason why maybe it's just the the time at which I, I read the book as well kind of I think uh when I was reading this book must have been kind of like a, a couple of weeks ago and it was um you know there's quite a lot wrong with the world at the moment and I, ju I just you know you know this this um this story kind of it shows what happens when um society breaks down and how there's going to be different in, in um uh, interests kind of pulling you know yeah. what, what remains behind in kind of different directions and you know it might be a really negative direction or it might be a really positive direction so maybe that's another reason just the time that um the time that i, I read it i just um i think that kind of that, that that was kind of stuff that i was thinking about anyway because it does feel like the world is about to to fall apart um at the moment we're in the middle of a global pandemic we've got idiotic political leaders in charge certainly in the uk and unfortunately in the united states oh, as God, well and yes. it's just um it just yeah so maybe that's another reason just the themes that he's talking about kind of you know workers being exploited um unions misusing their power for the um you know not to actually advance the the, the interest of their the workers you know um things about you know only seeing people and 
towns as a place where you know profit matters and all 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 these things you know wound in together with these you know within the kind of the love story and the sci-fi elements another thing that it reminded me of was um have you seen the film moon i love that movie yes yeah so this that also kind of that's another thing that it kind of reminded me of as well so it's just um all those all those elements together well it just sounds like a love fest really i haven't got anything negative to say about the book <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's pretty fair though we we said there was some very minor issues but they're overshadowed by a very well done story with very complimentary art i i feel like i'm just saying the same stuff over and over again but yeah, yeah um i really really enjoyed it i highly doubt i'll read anything at least this year that is going to be even comparable to this because it's so it's so adult in its themes while still being obviously a science fiction story where everything yes. else i read is so fiction or so non-fiction this kind of feels like it falls in between yes it's, it's not real but it makes you think and yeah we were reading it during like riots and stuff so when you're reading it it doesn't feel all that much like fiction yes like. yeah i really i think we both really enjoyed it so i think we talked about it for about 30 minutes um so that was tightened by francois Villeneuve, it's published by Honest Press. It's going to be out in September 2020. I think we both kind of give it um, a thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Two okay. thumbs up from me. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on it, Cole? No, I'm going to read anything else he makes and hopefully his, his uh, previous work. I think that's another sign that um, is, a, is a good book, is that we're both, I'm going to be looking back through his back catalogue to see where else I can kind of of his because he's he's a very he's got very interesting uh it's a it's a very distinctive art style so i want to see if he uses similar color palettes in in his other his other work so do you want to talk about criminal a little bit yes yeah do you want to go ahead and introduce that yes so criminal i guess originally published by icon but now it's owned by image uh is a series by ed brubaker and sean phillips it's essentially crime. Um, how I'd say it's a crime epic. Yes. Because there's there's many arcs by now. There's probably seven or eight arcs. They're still making them, and they started in the early 2000s, or maybe the mid 2000s. And so it's a crime story. And there's depending on what arc we're in, there's characters we've seen in previous arcs. Some are followed through, and their stories continue in the later arcs. But they can easily be read in any any arc. Any arc is a self-contained story, I think. And I've read um, all of them. So I think that's what makes it so beautiful is because you could pick it up just like a crime novel. like a Or like, like if you're just going to sit down and watch a noir film, like this is what reading an arc of criminal is like. It's gritty. It's dirty. The art by Sean Phillips is so... It, it doesn't look flashy at first to me, but as I was going... Like one of the best crime artists I've seen. I've been reading a lot of crime books lately. Uh, he he's he's so concise and clear with his storytelling, so that any like the facial expressions on these people are very lifelike. They never look unnatural, so that really helps with the with the like tone of the book. You know, it's it's very dark and grim and gritty, and you hear some of that you know inner monologue like you would with like an old PI story where everyone's kind of doing the narration, but. It never feels too self-serious where I'm going to laugh at it, which is also a thing that some crime does. Because some, like Black Sad, sometimes it's sometimes it's funny the way he's being so gritty in his inner monologue. But yeah, this is fully serious all the time, unless it wants to be funny and it works. And I think that's really hard to do in comics, especially. Yeah. So, um, Criminal, it's as Cole mentioned, it's a anthology of. Uh, stories so it doesn't follow one uh main character you you know there's different so i think we can we can it's best describe that each trade paperback covers a different crime by different um criminal gangs and there's there are crossover characters in some of the in some of the stories and it's you know i think this you know this is noir fiction um at its very finest so uh, I myself and um, a friend of mine, John, we wrote. Well, I wrote a uh, uh, online comic, and it's, it's called Gorky and Izzy, and it was very heavily influenced by the work of um, uh, 
Brubacker and Phillips in terms of um, it being a, a a crime thriller that follows these um, sort of gritty characters. My you know my comics a little bit um, tended to be a little bit funnier than this, but like you like you uh, like you mentioned, the dialogue in this is it's it's almost soprano esque in some ways in terms of like the you know it's you know these very straight shooting characters but there's there's always you know they're always kind of some of them always kind of breaking each other's balls or you know it's very kind of so sometimes when you're watching crime movies like the characters are so serious and there's nothing to kind of break the tension and you just think well at some point someone would crack a joke here or something mm-hmm. it's, you know, this is not the realistic way that people talk to each other but yeah and Yes, I I think it is. I, have, I haven't read this one in ages, so it's good good to go back and read it again. Yeah, this is. Uh, I read Criminal for the first time, like not even two or three months ago now, but I've already reread multiple of the arcs. So, and this is, I think, by far my favorite arc. Not by far; it's actually very close. This arc might be my favorite though, just because it's the introductory arc. It sets you up, and it's such a like if they just made criminal for this arc and then stopped, I think it would still be a celebrated crime book. But thank God they just kept going with it. Yes. I guess I should say we read for this we read um the first arc, Coward, yeah. Did I yeah, say that? Coward. Yeah, Coward is the name of the is the name of the arc. And just as in um uh, Titan where the palette does a, a really strong job of creating the world, it's the same thing with um, criminal, like the the the, the color choices of the the artists, um, does a lot of the lot heavy lifting in terms of um, building the the atmosphere um, because it's it's a lot of uh, dark blues and grays and browns. There's not a lot mm. of um, uh, bright color in the world, uh, and so it, you know it just making kind of slowly ratchets up the tension there was um there was one thing that i found i felt that it was a bit of a storytelling um misstep uh, i think it was in the first couple of pages where he's uh carrying out the the first heist and he's kind of i think a lot of his men are, are shot down i think uh i think it's on even one page one or two i've I didn't understand what one of the panels are doing. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can find it. What was happening? Where is it got anyway? So is apart from that, the first couple of pages where it took me a couple of goes to understand what happened in the action sequence. It's kind of flawless in terms of um, leading you through the story and kind of all the actions are quite clear and, the motivations and the and he does a really really great job with the the inking and the shadowing over the the, the people's faces they're really um subtle changes of expressions are really very well captured so you're always kind of you know the hardest thing so what one of the things that was explained to me as a, a storyteller is that people are always trying to hide their emotions and the artwork does a um a superb job of showing that these characters are trying to hide the emotions that they're feeling or kind of also letting you know what the emotion that they're hiding is and that's a yes. very 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 difficult thing to do in kind of like live action or whether let alone in a still image yeah this might be the best example of that that's a good point because they're it's like yeah it's like you're when you are talking to a person in real life they're not going to say i'm pissed off right now but if you look at them even if they're trying to hide it you might be able to figure out that they're angry yeah it's the same thing in this you have to like if you after you read the text you look at them and you can kind of like gather your own opinion on yeah. how they're feeling and uh you're right he is amazing at that also i just want to say i'm pretty sure sean phillips letters this I think oh, does he, he, let's have a look at the credit. That's one thing I've got to do a much better job at is I only look at who writes it. I don't really look at who the, um, cause that's kind of where my interest is. is like, he's, he's done the words on this, but um, yes, I need to do a better job of um, keeping, keeping abreast of who's um, actually 
do it there's a really interesting uh, thread on twitter about um kind of who should get the who should get the most financial reward for creating comics and artists were basically saying that it should be um two well two thirds or three quarters should go to the to to, to the the people that are doing the art because that's where um most of the work is done and as i as a writer i think well, that's you know what it's kind of a fair that's kind of a fair comment actually so i should uh play a little bit so I'm, I'm actually looking at the the first two pages and it's yes it's this the bottom two um panels on page one it's not clear when he kind of like kicks the door in where where you know where that's happening with yeah i can tell if he's just taking a step or something yes the angle is coming in at yeah yeah but apart from that that i can't think of um any any other missteps within within the story which is crazy because this was this was i mean it's not his first comic obviously but it's still pretty early in sean phillips career i'm pretty sure he's been doing a lot of work after this and he's only gotten better which is the crazy part yeah, and the, the, all the characters are quite distinct. One of the things he does um, actually very well, and it's not something that a lot of artists do, is he does um, uh, he draws people of color really, really well. Yeah. Because sometimes when you um, when you see other comic books and you see people of color of them, they kind of either the the features are um over exaggerated or they just kind of like look like a, a caucasian person but colored like, differently yeah colored differently but here and colored uh, poorly sometimes too yeah. like the, the shade is just it looks like a drawing uh, yeah yeah so he does he does you know and it's so key in a story like this where it's not um supernatural or superhero where you know capturing mm-hmm. the expressions on the faces is so important and yeah i'm just looking at the main character he looks like such a slime bowl with that kind of oh, like yeah. chinny goatee and just like, ugh, disgusting like greasy hair. hair is probably greasy that's <laughs> yeah. what i was gonna say he's <laughs> greasy hair. yeah yeah i yeah. think my favorite character is gnarly who's uh the undertow bark uh bartender yes yeah he's the best he even has his own arc later which is awesome yeah uh but yeah and and that would be if if they were messed like if they messed up drawing uh african-american people and it it would totally take you out of the story because the story is very realistic and it's not, it's very humorous and you, that would kind of sour the tone, I think. Yeah. So I'm, There's good o- only one character that I think is, he does look a little bit weird and cartoony and he's the, um, the epileptic guy. guy yes. And he just yeah. kind of like, he look, is he looks like, sort of like Charlie, what's going on? Is he Charlie Brown? What's going on here with the way that he looks? But yeah, he's, he's got, so, yeah, like three or four hairs sticking up. Yeah. Um, that was yeah. a little funny. I did notice that. Even his everything he said kind of stuck out. I feel like he was there just to, as Ed Brubaker wanted to write someone super goofy. But I, yeah, I, don't know. I did like it. I did like it a lot. Yeah, I'm just looking through the the panels at the moment. And it's really claustrophobically laid out in terms of like there's lots of close ups on people's faces, um, kind of really small panels as well moving the action along quite quickly um there's not a lot of kind of double page spread and there's a lot of dialogue in here as well which is it's quite a brave thing to do because it does cover a significant amount of the page which yeah is it's a brave decision to make you know kind of making sure that the artwork has got enough enough space to kind of show you know to to, to breathe as well but you know the the dialogue is just spot on like brubacker is um such a fantastic writer he is yeah he is probably one of the best dialogue writers in comics that i've read because he it's snappy and it reads fast even and it's usually the page is usually covered in word balloons yes it reads quick it reads quicker than most other books i read that's also because he's it's so gripping and it's so engaging that you just want to keep flipping the pages. I read um, when I first read this, I, I I started it at like 10 p.m., which was a mistake, and I read 
four criminal arcs before I went to bed. Oh, dear. Yeah. Many hours later. It's just such a engaging thing. And they, they kind of flow in a way that they are standalone arcs, but the one arc will hook you into the next arc because some characters carry over and you want to see that type of thing. Yeah. So um, in our um, lockdown reading recommendations um, episode that we recorded, I um, I mentioned Astro City. And it's, it might be a slightly odd comparison to make, but kind of they're both anthology. There are crossover characters in both, but it's not like if you miss one trade paperback that you're going to be missing out on kind of uh, a sweeping arc. I think if you do read yeah. the entire, I think I've only not read a couple of the trade paperbacks. And the nice thing about going back to read something that you've, you've read before but it was a long time ago is that the story can surprise you again because i thought i kind of remembered what the you know what this character did and then like his he mentions that his um dad was a a criminal as well i think that's one of the trade paperbacks as well isn't it it is yes yeah Um, it's really nice it's kind of like the world as a character just like that astro city comparison got me thinking because in both of those books, the city is kind of the one of the characters, and you get invested in that, and the people walking around it are just kind of, um, like, it like, pop out of any corner. Like, in any of these arcs, if he just, like, showed another character from a previous arc, I would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, because we're only, like, two blocks away. Yeah. And I really like that aspect, where you're just kind of living in the world, and the, the characters to kind of do whatever. Yeah. There was, um, there are a couple of odd elements kind of there's the newspaper strip with Fran was it um Franz Kafka yeah and I thought did you understand what he was kind of getting at there I, I, I you know I tried so hard <laughs> I just I actually I, because you know I've, I've not read any um any Kafka so I was just thinking maybe that's like a literary illusion that we're both missing out on I, I don't understand it's um the guy who makes those strips in the comic is a character in another arc okay i don't think he was just putting it there to set it up i feel like there's some type of symbolism i miss i don't know maybe because the well so in the um in in the in the comic book there's a he he's often reading a newspaper and he's reading uh this comic strip and it's got this private eye called uh frank kafka um and it looks very much like a, a Dick Tracy type thing going on. Yeah. So then maybe, yeah, I don't know. Because I didn't really like what the, the comic strips were about. Weren't It's like Dick Tracy, but it's only non sequiturs and kind of like psychedelic what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah it is quite a strange choice. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I thought it was funny. After I read it, I was like, that made no, it took me a long time to just be like, all right, I give up. It's just going to be yeah. kind of funny. And it's so, yeah. it's so jarring when you see kind of some of the violence <laughs> that takes place in, 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 yeah. in the story, kind of this, some really kind of shocking scenes. Um, I'm just looking at the panel where, um, is it his grandfather or his uncle overdose? Overdose? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's his, uh, his basically his dad, but it's not his. He just raised him basically. Yeah, where his dad, uh, you know, his father figure overdoses, and then there's another scene where, um, you know, a woman's kind of like lying on the floor with her, you know, just bleeding all over the floor, and yeah. kind of abs. I I do kind of like comic books where they've got a good psycho uh, psychopathic character, and there's a great one in here. He's this uh was his name the big cowboy oh god what is his name he's a freak <laughs> yeah he's a freak and he's just you know he's kind of the right hand man of this um large african-american um uh gang, crim- leader? gang leader i think gangster and it just kind of a very kind of weird like you wouldn't expect someone who looks like that to be working under kind of like an african-american um, gangster, but you know, money he, yeah. makes strange bedfellows. Yeah. Honestly, I saw him and I just assumed he was racist because he's a piece <laughs> of crap. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, who does he remind me of? 
there's a character from Preacher that he he reminds me of, kind of um one of uh, Jesse's um, uh, cousins. He kind of looks like one of those really vicious um, countryside yokels. Yeah, yeah. He just looks like he'll do he'll do you harm. His name yeah. is Delron. Del. That's the other thing. I wasn't expecting him to be white because they they talk about this character. Um, yes. Early on, and I thought, well, Delron is kind of. I was expecting an African American person. Yeah, I wasn't expecting. Yeah. People. Yeah. They're yes. Talking, they're talking about Delron, and I was like, all right, it's just going to be like another gang member, and then he's yeah. just big white, really gross guy, white guy in a like cowboy hat. Yeah. Ugh. And he's so, so gross. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. do a really good and quick job of making you hate him. Yeah, just were very, yeah, very well done, and then. So what was the should we kind of explain what the the plot is so um the main character is being approached by one of his former colleagues to carry out one last heist and mm. he gets what what convinces him to to do it in the end uh, the woman Greta is the widow of a guy he worked oh, yes. a job with previous who he yeah. who died and he feels terrible and uh kind the, of guilt him makes, into it. yeah guilts him into it and then they become romantically involved it's a whole yeah thing yeah so it's um and then from there he gets involved in this heist and there's double crosses and triple crosses and um he so he's called the coward because he he he's he's you know whenever he's carrying out a heist he's always the one that gets away he's you know he's never afraid not to look like um you know to abandon his um his crew or his uh colleagues in colleagues in crime so that's why he's still out on the streets while the rest of his um crew are either uh in dead or in prison and he's kind of looked down upon a little bit by the rest of the uh criminal fraternity there's a scene in the um in the bar where one person's talking trash to him, uh, trash about him, and the the bartender quickly shuts him down. Yeah, that's gnarly. That was that was good. Uh, he's so yeah. Everyone thinks he's a coward. He's actually just the only smart guy there. Well, I mean, I guess he kind of is a coward, but he also is just he just has an escape plan for every situation because he doesn't want to go. And he has that complex about not going to jail because his dad. Um, went to jail for murder, which yes. is another twist. Oh, it's also later in the near the end of this arc. It, basically, there's a double cross. Um, there's, I mean, it has everything. It's got crime, sex, intrigue. It's just a like solid noir story. Yeah, like they all are. Yeah, they are all very. There wasn't the one of them. Um, maybe it's one you haven't read. I think one of them had kind of supernatural elements i think that might be the one i haven't read because i keep hearing about this and i i think i'm missing one arc and okay i don't yeah. know i read the an archie one that blew my mind of the, i have not read that one i've not read the archie are quite clever with their their crossovers but um yeah i have to so the, you know this you know reading this one makes me want to um go out and um actually read the because you know you read something and then it's like a long time ago and then you you don't you can't you you know reading it again you kind of actually appreciate how good it is so you know if, if you're a fan of um noir uh crime fiction yeah it's, it's, it's not oh, it's a bit of an unfair analogy to make but there's kind of lots of similarities between this and something like the wire even though this is a lot more self-contained and it's not doesn't really cover the wide uh, political and social issues that the wire does, but it's kind of, it's still very much about, you know, the criminal life being a very, very hard life to live in yep. either, either, you know, no one gets out clean, you know, you either end up in jail, you end up dead or you end up a really despicable human being. Yes. That's also that's one of the best. I won't. I guess I, if I don't have to, I won't spoil the ending. But the ending was so apt, and honestly, you probably could have seen it coming from the first issue. But by the, they have you so lost in all these twisting plot threads that by the end, it almost seems unexpected. 
It was yeah. really kind so, of like a faded ending. Yeah, I think it's 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 um you know discussing it with you now kind of the ending did bother me a little bit, but kind of discussing with you with you now kind of it does make me realize that um he's kind of the the man he's always got the the plan and he he kind of does like um a one man you know kind of arnold schwarzenegger commando mm-hmm. thing towards the end um but then that's kind of he doesn't do that through brawn he does that through brain so yeah, yeah i found that um that was I, I I know what you mean though. That was maybe the one time it can veer into goofy, yeah. If you take it the wrong way, but um, um, my second read of it, I liked it more just because he's not like. I mean, he is one guy against a bunch of people, but he's being kind of smart about it, and he's also got he he we came in pretty prepared, so I wasn't bothered by it the second time. Yeah, it's kind of the um the the Walter White Breaking Bad thing where yeah. you just yeah for his plan to work a lot of other things kind of need to fall into place a little bit conveniently but you kind of forgive it because um this is really the only way not maybe the only way but this is a very satisfactory way to kind of end the story and i i really the the because a lot of the the uh, uh, the color palettes are kind of grays and blues and, and browns when there is a splash of violent and red when someone's getting shot it really just it does pop off the page quite a lot and um doing gunfights is not the easiest thing to do in comics he does gunfights and um knife fights knife fights exceptionally exceptionally well um which does make kind of you know that misstep in the first couple of pages stand out even more because the rest of it's all kind of like well done all the rest of the action is really well done yeah, at least if you're going to have a mistake like that, at least get it out of the way early. Because I, I completely forgotten about it by the end, but when you said it, I was like, oh, I did notice something weird. But yeah, I think he's he's uh, he was only getting better from there on, so it's it's pretty crazy stuff. I definitely yeah. would be willing to read some more of these, talk about them later, but yeah, for my money, that's the that's some of the best noir I've ever uh, read. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of um, other noir comics that you could kind of put up there. Black Sad is right. is quite good, but again, it's very different. There's. Have you read the the Gronville um, comics? I have not. Yes, yeah, so it's um, again, it's another anthrop- anthropomorphic uh, noir comic. is about this uh, badger, and it's set in a alternate um, history where um, kind of like it's kind of like a steampunk noir with um badgers and um you know horses Whoa. and stuff like that anthropomorphized you said grunville um, grunville yeah grunville okay. it's a oh, who, who, is it terry moore that writes it i can't remember who wrote who writes it um then there's the uh would you qualify kind of like terry moore's comics as as noir so there's um strangers in paradise is the one that yeah. i'm thinking of Slice of life kind of deal. It's it's um high aspect too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I always forget about that when I think about it. I've read a little bit of Strangers of Paradise. I think only like the first, maybe like three or yeah. four issues. Um, and then Rachel Rising. I've read. Yeah, about that's more of a supernatural people. story, though, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's kind of a, yeah. almost horror. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the only other kind of noirish story um, that kind of stands up to this is well, there's Sin City, obviously. That's but then again, that's a very kind of different type of noir, I think. That's one that of, can make you laugh at times with its yeah uh, over grittiness, but it's also yeah. amazing. Yeah, there's um, Richard Stark's Parker, and there was kind of a a true life um, crime uh, graphic novel. I think it's called the Green River Strangler. But again, that's that's true crime. It's not you know straight on um, straight on noir. So I think for me, Criminal is the standout noir uh, comic um, 
in in the field really i don't think there's many others that i can think of that kind of stand up to it yes what is there's also one that everyone always says um that i could never get into but i can't recall um the only thing i put up there is parker yeah besides this parker by darwin cook 100 bullets how could we forget 100 100 bullets bullets. yes yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah i just couldn't get into that one nearly as much as i could criminal it's definitely good comics but, yeah, but again, yeah. that's it's more of um, it's anthology, but it's also an ongoing um story, as well. Yeah. In terms of, I think I I think I read, the fifth trade paperback, and of, of one hundred bullets, and I didn't really understand, what was was going on, um, with it. I just think criminal kind of has the perfect content of the story where it does noir really well and also the best package where it's these these arcs that uh, intertwine and stuff. I think that makes it, uh, puts it over the top. Yeah. The I'm just thinking now, so I've, I just remembered, have you read Road to Perdition? I have not. So that's that's a very well done noir. The, the biggest problem that I have with that is that it's an absolutely tiny book. So, oh, I, you know, it, yeah, it, it, not in terms of like, the story is small in terms of the actual size of the book is small. So it's kind oh, of like, man. yeah, so it's, I just, I don't, yeah, I know I understand, you know, comic, I was, um, comic books are really expensive to, to make. I understand that, but, um, yeah, guys, you know, you need to do your best to kind of print out, um, print out comic books that. where you can kind of enjoy, enjoyed the art is just you know there's certain bits where i was kind of like squinting to kind of see what's happening in the story so that wasn't great but you know road to petitions another great one but you know i think we're both kind of in agreement kind of criminals the the standout the pinnacle, there, really. yeah. for me right now i hope i hope something can beat it eventually it's, yeah be... now sir it's still making them so i have a i have on pre-order the next two criminal books i'm excited when are they? Um, when are they coming out? Um, I believe it's going to be August for one of them. The other isn't announced yet. So, their Cruel Summer is like a big, I think, twelve issue long arc they did that they just decided to package as a standalone graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And then they have a third deluxe edition coming out, which is three novellas that they put out, and then one arc of Criminal. And they're all in the Criminal kind of world. So, yeah, there's a there's a ton of Criminal. If you know if one of my friends was asking me, you know, I, I enjoy noir. This is definitely probably the one I'd recommend to them to start. If he was going to recommend um, a criminal arc for for a friend to kind of start off with, do you think it matters which order you read them in, or would you start them off with um, Coward or a different one? What, what, what do you think about that? Um, no, I probably I probably just tell them to pick up whatever because uh, I think you get the same value. Because if you see you see Leo in the second arc, but I think it'd be equally as fun to read that second arc and then see Leo in the first arc. So, like all these intertangled characters are still fun. It just depends on because they all have kind of different subgenres. So yes, it just, yeah. you kind of just pick your one, and they all have a different maybe a time period too. People like the period pieces. So yeah, that's also true. It kind of not all of them are straight out heist um, stories. Mm-hmm. They're um, they're kind but there's if i remember correctly there's kind of mafia stories in there where it's a lot more about the political machinations of the different families there's straight out revenge stories yeah. as well um there's stories about police corruption and yeah so it, it does kind of cover the entire gamut of what we you know you could expect from um a crime noir Exactly. And I think as long as you could get someone to read the first, just one volume, they'll probably read the rest because they're, they're fantastic. It's yeah. it's a, it's a gateway drug criminal. It's a gateway yeah. drug into noir. But... Yeah. I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. I think it's, I think we've chosen two really good, good books. Honestly, I would say that these two books, uh, having only read them this year, feels like a disappointment because they're so high quality especially when i've been when i've been running out of good modern comics and these are both two really fantastic one is way more modern titan is far more modern but they're both fantastic modern comics so it kind of gives me some hope 
Yes, yeah, I'd I'd uh, definitely agree with that. Um, and it's fantastic that Brubaker is still still writing. Still, I mean, because he's you know big time writer. Now. He's doing TV shows. He's writing for Marvel. He wrote for Westworld. Yeah, he wrote. Yeah, he's you know you know writing big big TV shows. Westworld. He's writing for for Marvel. Um, and it's great that he's still finding time to return to his creator owned properties and kind of um, stay true to his fans in a little way, in a little strange way. I mean, I find it difficult to write a couple of pages, you know, a month and he's able to be really, really productive. So that's um, another thing to yeah. be thankful for as well. He is prolific. Yeah. He puts out a ton of work, especially for a guy who's not just a comic writer. He's a yeah. successful TV writer too. So yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts on it, Cole? Um, I think we just this was mostly just gushing today. Yeah, mostly just gushing today. We need to eventually find a comic that we either disagree on or that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I have to hate something you love or vice versa. Yeah. 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 That would be nice to maybe get some shouting in here. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been uh, it's been good talking to you. You too, man. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Stay safe and all that. Yeah, stay safe. Guys, lockdown's ending, but, you know, wear a mask, please, if you're asked to. Just wear a mask. Yeah, just wear a mask. Our lockdown's been over for a while, but keep wearing masks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, wash your hands. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks.